And those who love our God, can you give our great God a great hand clap of praise? Come on, you can do better than that. Aren't you glad that God has called your name today? Come on, you ought to be able to celebrate that God has called your name. In the midst of life's crisis and calamities, he still called your name. Through the good and through the bad, he still called your name. That's a reason to shout. That's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to open up your mouth and give God some glory from the rising of the sun. Oh, oh. I'm so glad he called my name. Thank God today for calling my name. It is true, my brothers and sisters, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to any end. But they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness towards us. Can we give our God a hand clap of praise for being faithful when we've been faithless? God has still been faithful. Thank God today for your pastor. Let's celebrate Pastor Haynes. Not only him, but Reverend Jason that leads him in this great effort here at the Salem Church our deacons and deaconess, first lady, mothers, and to all of you in your respective places, it's good for us to be here. Any day above the ground opposed to the ground above you is a good day. And I believe that we are in a sanctuary and not a mortuary, which would suggest that everybody in here is alive and well. So let's just pull the house because David said to let everything that have breath making sure we all alive to praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, congratulations on 188 years of ministry, but more importantly, to burn the mortgage on what the Lord has given. Amen. And we say to God be the glory for the great things that he has done. I'm going to try my best today to be like a miniskirt. Short enough to grab your attention, but long enough to cover the subject matter. Amen. Can you stand with me, if you will, and journey with me to Jude, Jude 24 through 25. Jude 20, chapter 1, 24 and 25. If you'll indulge me for a moment. <clears throat> Shine on me, Lord, shine on me, let, let the light from the lighthouse shine 
shine on me anybody need the Lord to shine on me God, we're grateful now for this time and opportunity to share again. It is true, O oh God, that you are the potter and we are the clay. Mold us and make us after thine will. Now, O oh God, breathe upon this preaching exposition that your word not fall upon a deaf ear. Encourage the hearts of these, your people. To help us all run on to see what the end will be. Like the morning needs the dew, God, I need you. Like the oceans need the wave, God, I need you. So if you would be so kind and help your boy one more time is my prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my strength and you are my redeemer. If you love the Lord, say amen. Jude chapter 1, verse 24 through 25. The word of the Lord says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. The grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the word of our God shall stand for forever. For these few fleeting moments that we share between the pulpit and the pew, I simply want to talk about today, God is keeping me. Uh, if that's your testimony this morning, why don't you help the preacher preach and talk back? If you're a testament that God is keeping you, you ought to be able to wave your hand and tell your neighbor, look down your row and say, I don't know about you. 
Come on, talk to them like they owe you some money. Come on, I don't know about you. But God is. God is keeping me. My brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and to all of you, my father's children, there's a story, a story of a father and son. This father and son was walking along the way, and while they were walking, the boy reached up and grabbed his father's finger as tight as he could. But as he walked, the boy ends up losing his footing, and he lost his father's grip, and he ultimately fell to the ground. Daddy's right there. He helped the boy up. He dusted him off and he began to walk again. This time, the boy grabbed his father's finger a little tighter only once again to lose his footing and lose the grip of his father and ultimately falls to the ground again. When daddy helps him up again, he looks up at his dad and his father says to him, hey, I have a better idea. He says to him, instead of you holding my hand, why don't I hold your hand? The father took the little son's hand and he put his big hand on his small hand and as a result the boy did not fall. He did not lose his grip nor did the boy lose his footing. In other words this morning my brothers and sisters all I'm trying to tell you is that's just like how God is. Uh, he takes his big hand and, and he grabs our little hand and, and he holds us and he keeps us. He keeps us from falling. This my brothers and sisters this this is the closing chapter of the book of Jude. Jude, my brothers and sisters, has one chapter, 25 verses, and this author is the half-brother of our Jesus. He introduces himself as Jude, a servant of Jesus and the brother of James. The purpose, my brothers and sisters, of this pericope, this letter, is clear in verse number three. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write down unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. My brothers and sisters, in essence, this, this particular pericope is a call to arms. It's a call for us as children of God and as a body of believers to stand up and to defend and fight the good fight of faith. And I wonder is there anybody in the Salem church this morning can be a witnessing warrior or a testifying soldier and declare I'm still on the battlefield for my Lord. It's 188 years I'm still on the battle. I know we just burned the mortgage, but I'm still on the battlefield for the Lord because I promise. I wish I had a praying church. It's his call to arms to defend the faith and, and stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's there in verse 4. There's a threat. There's a threat that comes along in the text and it talks about false witnesses. False teachers were leading people into error and sin. Jude's respond to this hypocrisy by, in verse number 5 through 16, by issuing to them stern warning of divine judgment. In verses 17 through 23, he issues a call exhorting the saints to come what may continue to persevere in the faith. My brothers and sisters, we're here at the 24th and the 25th verse. Here is one of the great 
Brother Bailey, doxologies of the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, right. Edward C. Pentecost put pen to parchment paper and summarized the doxology as this right here. This is the greatest sound of victory, sounded with the greatest assurance to those who are redeemed that Jesus Christ, him a keeper. Uh, the word, the word, the word doxology, my brothers and sisters, means simply a hymn and a praise to God. Many hymn books include the doxology that this traditional doxology written in 1674 by Thomas Ken that we sing all the time. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and, and Holy Ghost Judes, my brothers and sisters. Concluding words are like our traditional doxology this morning. This is full of praise and, and glory. However, he saves the best for last and he closes his letter in which he challenges Christians to warfare on behalf of the faith by praising the author and the finisher of our faith because God is our keeper. Jude's brief letter was written to Christians to remind us that we are called and sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. This doxology, my brothers and sisters, is perhaps the most often quoted at the benedictional time or the conclusion of worship encounters. Jude's little letter has and always has had a main theme. And that is to always contend for the faith. The good and the bad contend for the faith. The ups and the downs contend for the faith. The mountain peaks and the valleys contend. Contend for the faith. Every Christian today should be involved in this what we call the faith fight. Every child of God should be able to take a stand and agree with the Apostle Paul. One day we all should be able to testify, I have fought. I fought a real good fight. And more importantly, I have kept. Y'all gonna help me preach a while? I kept the faith. Faithful believer today is the one who knows God has kept them. Is the one who contends for the faith but it's also one who commences in the faith. Not only is it one that commences in the faith, but it's one who continues in the faith. Not only is it one who continues in the faith, but it's one who communicates in the faith. Not only that, but ultimately it's one who concludes their life in faith. It's in the conclusion of the life of faith that Jude is writing about today in verse 24 through 25. In this doxological benediction, Jude today is playing the organ. He's playing a song. He's playing a doxology. He's playing a hymn of praise. And while Jude sits there on the hammock, Jude 
uses five chords to help us sing our little song. That's the text. Let me show you the chords that he's playing. There's, there's one thing that Jew points out today to understand this notion that God is keeping us. Jude says, according to this particular text, my brothers and sisters, he says, the first thing we must understand and hear is that there is a God in the verse. Come here a little close. The Bible says, now unto him. Yeah, there, there's a God in the verse. The only, the only wise God. Our Savior to him. Y'all gonna help me a little while? Be the glory, majesty, dominion, and power. The God in the verse today, my brothers and sisters, is the same God that woke you up this morning. That God in the verse is the same God that started you on your way. We must understand, my brothers and sisters, that the God in this verse is the God who is solitary. The, the, the text suggests that he's the only God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the only God. Not only is he the only God, but he's the only true God. I got something else. Not only is he the only and true God, but he's the only living God. And I wonder this morning, is there anybody in Salem who can help me celebrate to the fact that God lives today? This truth that he is the only God, it's declared in Exodus chapter 20, verse number 3 where we find 10 commandments. To understand that he's really the only God, the, the first one says, you can't have. Y'all gonna help me preach another God but me. This truth, my brothers and sisters, it, it demolishes the claim of pantheonism. Pan for the Greek, it simply suggests all. Pantheonism teaches us that all is God. The God, that God and the universe are the same. This truth of him being the God who is solitary destroys the claim of polytheism. Poly in the Greek is the word for many. Polytheism teaches us that there are many gods. Somebody Think Oprah is a God. Somebody think Dr. Phil is their God. Somebody think Ayala. Well, she be trying to fix people's lives, but she needs some fixing herself. But somebody. That she's a God. One thing I've learned, my brothers and sisters, about this God that I serve. If we were to go to the grave of Muhammad, if we were to open up that grave, the remains of Muhammad would still be there. 
if we were to go over to Chinatown and find Buddha, opened up the grave of Confucius, we would find that the remains are still there. Come here, look close. But if we were to go to where the sepulcher was, and we would then find that the stone had been rolled away, somebody would come and tap you on the end, tell him that he has risen as he said. I need three people and I'll make four who can testify that God is not dead. He's yet alive and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. This is why I believe that he's the God who's keeping me because he's alive and well. Somebody shout out, God is. God is keeping me. Not only is there a God in the verse, Jude is trying to help us sing this little song. So there's another note that he plays today on the organ. And Jude then tells us that there's not only a God in the verse, but there is a guarantee in the verse. Somebody shout out guarantee. The guarantee in the verse is that that God, the only wise, true, and living God, that God, I wish I had a praying church. He is able. He's able to keep you. Oh, to be kept by Jesus. I just need two and I'll make three. Who can testify? Him is able. He's able to keep you. Somebody shout out, that's a guarantee. That, 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 that's a guarantee. If, if my grandpa was preaching, he would say, that's a check you can take to the bank and it will not bounce. He's able to keep you. He's able to keep this word today, keep. In the Greek language is a, is a military term. Meaning to garson about. Understand today, child of God, the greatest guard and garson is our God. How could one be more safe and secure? God's ability is also stressed by Paul in the doxology in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Where he says, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. Unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Paul's own personal testimony of that him being a keeper. Where he says to us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God is able to keep you. But we must understand today, my brothers and sisters, that there's a guarantee that he's able to keep you. But there's also a guarantee of his security. Because the text suggests... That he's able to keep you from falling. 
I didn't say it, but the text says that he's able to keep you from stumbling. He says he's able to keep you from falling. Jude reminds us, and he reminds the believers to whom he's writing, that even though there were those in his day, and there would even be some to come today, would oftentimes stumble and fall along the way. But the God we serve is so kind and so good that when we find ourselves in the midst of life's perils, pandemics, and predicaments, and we find ourselves getting ready to give up, give in, and throw in the towel, and we find ourselves losing our grip, slipping on our feet, and finding Finding ourselves almost falling to the ground, God says, my ability to keep you is not just for that, but it's able to keep you from falling. And I wonder, am I preaching to somebody in here today who can testify, I might have fallen, but he picked me up. Oh, my brothers and sisters, there ought to be at least two, and I'll make three who can testify when I was down and out, didn't have a dime, when I was at my solid ground but it's not only today my brothers and sisters there's this ability to keep us and that's through the guarantee of his security text suggests today that ability to keep us from falling it has a twofold meaning first it means to protect us from final defection from the faith. He's able to keep you and protect you from final defection of the faith. You know, it's always somebody, maybe not in this church, I just talk about my church. There's always somebody got something to say. Whether the weather be good, whether the weather be, there's always somebody that got something to say. And oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, those type of folk, they have a tendency to mess up something good for everybody else. But I believe today Jude is trying to help us understand that when you are contending for the faith and understanding the notion that God is keeping you, God will give, put something on the inside of you. And opposed to indulging into the foolishness, you'll be able to speak truth to power and you'll be able to instead of contaminating something 
you'll be able to bring it to life again. He says, it protects us from the final defection from the faith. If we're going to contend for the faith, we always got to hold high the bloodstained banner. Telling men, women, boys and girls that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. I believe the church would be in a better place if we took what our parents, what my mama taught me, what stays on in this house, what goes on in this house, stays in this house. If we're going to contend for the faith, we've got to hold high the name of Jesus. He says not only is that, but he says this twofold meaning about keeping you from falling suggests he'll keep us from falling into sin on our everyday life. It was in the last sense that Jesus taught us the model prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. There's a line where it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our faith must cooperate with God's power. If we are to keep, if we are to keep from stumbling and falling, the Christian security is pledged by God our Father, our Savior, and our God, and the Holy Spirit, and the trifold being of God guarantees the eternal salvation of those who place their total trust and salvation in Jesus Christ alone. My brothers and sisters, in the hymn, How Firm a Foundation, it's in the last verse that says, the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert it for its foes. That souls, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, never, Never forsake. Jude's concluding words assures us security as children of God. We who are saved will be forever safe. God wants his children to have joy of the assurance of our salvation. Of the assurance is the proof that we are trusting in the trustworthy one. We either have eternal security by trusting God or continual insecurity by distrusting God. Today I want to ask you, what are you going to do? I can't speak for you. I can only testify for myself. And I trust in God. Wherever I may be. Upon the land or on the raging sea. Jude is trying to help us sing our little song. So Jude says there's a God in the verse. There's a guarantee in the verse. Jude now says there's grace. In the verse. I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this. Because when I think about God's grace. I start running sometimes and nobody chasing me. When I think about God's grace, I start laughing. It ain't nothing fun. When I think about God's grace, I start crying. And it ain't 
and said, somebody ought to celebrate just off the grace. Off the grace of God. He says, there's grace in the verse. The grace says, to present you. Y'all didn't come to have church today. To present you. Your mean and nasty self. To present you. Cheating and lying to, to present you. Faultless. Do me a favor and look down your row and say, thank God for grace. Thank, thank God. Thank God. ability but then his security suggests that he's able to keep you from falling and that is only because God is a gracious God he says to us today he'll present you faultless are you today presently faultless When, 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 when we engage in honest and serious introspection, when we're honest within ourselves, transparent with you, do we see ourselves without fault before God? Are there any inconsistencies? between your profession and your practice. Are, are we everything we ought to be? Children of our Heavenly Father. Do we think we've reached the highest height yet? From the pulpit to the pew. I hate to tell you, but I'm a Bible preacher. My Bible says we all have sin and come short of the glory of God. The statement that our Savior will present us faultless before the throne of heaven, it raises the question of inquiry. I really want to know, how can this be? Because we all we all got some faults. We all got some ways about ourselves that we're not proud of. We all do some things in the dark and none of us wanted to come to the light. We all have some faults. So I wonder today, how in the world could he present us faultless? The only thing I could come up with is just God's grace. I tried to find another thing to say, but it's nothing but God. 
grace. His grace. His amazing grace. John Newton said it's just not grace. But he said it's amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Do me a favor. Look down your row and say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but I'm only here because I'm a grace case. Can you thank God today for being a grace case? And if you're really a grace case, this just might be your little happy song. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that brought my liberty. I never know just why he came to love me so. But he looked beyond my faults and he saw my every need. I just need to and I'll make three. I'm a grace case. Dick and Bailey, I'll forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where he died for me. How marvelous did grace <laughs> has it caught your falling soul? You ought to shout that he looked beyond your faults. in the verse but Jude is trying to help us close this song and he says there's glory in the verse he says him able to keep you from falling alright not only is he able to keep you from falling thank God for grace he able to present you faultless before the presence, y'all gonna help me preach. Before the presence of his glory. Earlier, Jude had written of the glory and the majesty of God. 
he says to us today, now he writes of the glory in which we all shall share. To understand the glory of the verse, there's something that we really got to understand, and that is that one day we will see his glorious person. The presence of his glory. I don't want to be so morbid on a celebration day, but I believe every child of God one day really want to see Jesus. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 2, there on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew said that Jesus was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as light. John said in John chapter 1, verse 14, and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father. In John 17 and 24, Jesus prayed, Father, I will that they also whom has given me be with me where I am, that they may behold. Behold my glory. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, and we shall gaze upon his glory one day. This is the ultimate goal of redemption. That we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Not only can we shout about the glorious person. But we got a reason to shout. Because there's a glorious place. For the presence of his glory heaven is called the glory place Peter said that when he was on the mount of transfiguration there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him on that holy mount. The shout is, my brothers and sisters, I am going home to glory someday. For the Savior, my sin debt, he did pay. Heaven's glories are beyond compare because the glorious God resides there. And I wonder today, can you shout? Can you celebrate God? Because not only one day will we see the glorious person, but more importantly, we'll see him in the glorious place. I want you to understand this morning that heaven is not heaven because the streets are paved with gold. Heaven is not heaven because the walls are made of jasper. Heaven is not heaven because there's 12 gates to the city. Heaven is not heaven because mama and grandma and booby them over there. But heaven is heaven because that's where God is. And I want to know, is there anybody who want to see Jesus one day? There's a God in the verse. 
There's a guarantee in the verse. There's grace in the verse. There's glory in the verse. I've held you long enough. But there's still some gladness in the verse. Now, I wish I had a praying church. Unto him who's able to keep you from falling. Present your faultless before his glory. Here it is, with exceeding. With exceeding joy. That's some gladness. That's some gladness. That's some gladness. That's a reason to smile. He says to us that it's going to be a joyous day. And we'll be able to say this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have. The world can't take it away. He said it's going to be a joyous day. Jesus will be joyous. The Lord will rejoice for he who presents his blood broke bride. Jesus will be joyous. Lord Jesus, he'll rejoice and simply say welcome home. We must, we must not lose sight of the truth that indeed it will be a joyous day. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I believe that the thing that gave joy to Jesus while he was on the cross, the thing that really put a smile on his face, the thing that really gave him joy unspeakable was knowing that he was doing it just for you. I believe today that gave him joy. And that to me should give you joy. We will also be joyous. We who constitute the body and the bride of Christ will all be filled with exceeding joy. Then to God will say to certain ones, well done. Thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come on up a little higher. I'll make you rule over many. Enter, come here, into the joy of the Lord. Because of who God is, he's able to bring us into the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. My brothers and sisters, now unto him who's able to keep you from falling. Present you faultless for the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Only wise God our Savior, majesty, dominion, and power. 
It's now and forevermore. God is keeping me. I'm done. God is keeping me. I'm done. I'm reminded of a story. I'm going to take my seat. I'm reminded of a story. There is a little girl. Her parents died in a tragic car accident. This little girl was forced to move with her grandmother. When the little girl got to her grandmother's house, her grandma said, hey, I don't have and I can't do everything that your parents did for you. All I could do is give you Jesus. Anything you need, talk to him and he'll give it to you. The little girl didn't really understand what was going on. So on this particular day, she realized that her grandmother had gotten sick. Her grandmother needed somebody to come and heal her body. As a result of grandma being sick, there's now no food in the house. There's no food in the pantry. Because grandma's sick, not only Pastor Haynes is there no food, but it's cold. There's no wood in the fireplace. The little girl was in grade school. This particular week, she was learning how to write letters. So she remembered her grandma told her, anytime you know you need something, talk to Jesus. And he'll do it for you. So she sat down at the kitchen table, pulled out her pen, and pulled out a pad. And she began to write a little letter. She said, Dear Jesus, my grandma is sick. Come and heal her body. Dear Jesus, there's no food in the house. My stomach growls at night. Dear Jesus, it's really chilly outside. There's no wood for the fireplace. She folded up the letter, put the letter in the envelope. On the outside of the envelope, she says, heaven back. Attention to Jesus Christ. That little girl put that letter in the mailbox. When the mailman came to retrieve the letter, he looked at it and he laughed hysterically. All the way back, to the post office. When he got to the post office, he gave the letter to the postmaster and said, can you believe that this little girl believes that there is a Jesus? Can you really believe that this little girl believes that there is a heaven? The shout is, the postmaster knew the Lord. So he took the letter and said, give it to me. He opened up the letter. And as he began to read the letter, he saw that the little girl's grandmother was sick. The shout of this little story is, the postmaster knew the local doctor. So he took the letter to the doctor. The doctor read the letter. He went in his office, packed up some medicine, and on his way to grandmama's house, he went. I like this little story because, you know, when you know people, you just know people because the doctor then knew the owner of the local grocery store. The owner of the grocery store read the letter. And he went down from out of packing fruits and vegetables, produce, 
packed enough for him to be eating for the next two to three weeks. On his way to grandmama's house, he went. You don't know when to shout. But the owner of the grocery store knew the local woodsman. He took the letter to the woodsman, the woodsman read the letter. Went out back, started down chopping some wood. That afternoon, the little girl, skipping down the hill from school and when she looked, Lord Jesus, around the corner, that little girl saw smoke coming out of the chimney. When she got a little closer to her grandmama's house, she saw her grandmama sitting on the porch in her rocking chair, singing, I know the Lord will make a way. And when that little girl, when she got closer and closer, and she opened up the front door, and she saw food on the table, the little girl was so happy that she You 
God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. And there is a guarantee behind that. If you get saved, everything. <laughs> I said everything will be all right. This is your invitation to come and give your life to Jesus. Come on, somebody, give your life to the God who is able to keep you from stumbling. Give your life to him who will present you blameless before his glory with exceeding joy. Give your life to the God that is all wise, has all dominion, authority, and power forever and ever. Amen. Come on, you got, if you feel like you can't walk by yourself, there are preachers in the aisles that can walk with you. This is a good day to give your life to him.
God we serve is worthy of praise. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the very name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. If you've been blessed today, give God some praise. Thank God for this man of God, this powerful young preacher, for pouring himself out. Brother, Brother Pastor, we've been helped today. It's never enough to be reminded of who God is and what he has done and ultimately what he is going to do. Thank God again. Just a few notes before we have, um, I think we have one more note from the Courtesy Guild to come, but before they come, in celebration of our mortgage burning service, there will be to-go refreshments available under the tent outside the sanctuary immediately following worship this morning. If you will, just stop by and get uh, the refreshments and enjoy them as you go. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be celebrating our family, friends, and community day. And we ask everyone to wear your Salem t-shirt, the very new ones that we have purchased. Uh, thank God for that. Our trunk or treat celebration will be next Saturday, the 29th. It'll be from 12 p.m. to 5 at Heritage Hall parking lot. And we ask uh, just continue prayer for those in our family to share in the Washington family and to the Stevens and McClendon family. We continue to ask prayer for the bereavement of those families and our family in the losses that they have suffered. Uh, we thank God for all of you continually who give to the ministry here at Salem Church, whether you be in the sanctuary or whether you be virtual. We thank you for your gifts. We thank you for your stewardship. And we continually ask that you give to the glory of God for the building of his kingdom. As we leave today, those to my left and your right, if you would, exit out the double doors. Um, and if you have gifts, there are receptacles here. Those to my right and your left, it would single file out the single door. And also there's a receptacle there if you have to give. I want to thank God again just for what he has done in this place with this preacher. If we would, before Pastor Haynes comes, courtesy Gill. Kirstie Gill just has, we, we just forgot something. One more thing to, too about Pastor Reese, just want to let you know that I forgot about his bio. He is a proud Alpha Phi Alpha Good member, morning. amen.
I was walking down with Pastor Reese. Somebody said, Pastor Jason, I need you to stop and get your silver ribbon. I said, I ain't even hit that number yet, amen. Y'all bless the Lord up in this house. Bless the Lord in this house. This has been an awesome day of celebration. And did this young man preach the gospel? <laughs> Amen. realize and please when I say this somebody please know I, I'm not sad I'm not sad I'm not trying to bring it it's just a fact most of my years are behind me I ain't, I, I'm, gl I'm glad about that I thank God that he has spared me I, but I, I just thank God that this thing ain't centered around me that God is still calling and God is still equipping and the church is going to be just fine. Y'all hear what I say? I say the church of God is going to be just fine because God is still equipping. He's still preparing. And when I see young men like this get up and preach like this, are y'all hearing me? It, it, it inspires me. It it just, as a matter of fact, I, I could sit here, I, I know, I, I could sit here the rest of the day and just listen to the word of God rightly, rightly divided. So I do. I thank God for this young man. Thank you for coming, accepting to come and bless us here this day. Salem, we are blessed. We are blessed. Amen. And the good news is God is not through with us yet. I want to thank uh, Reverend Japaris Keys. He's all the way in the back. He works quietly, but he's put all of this together, helped put all of this together. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate you. Pre appreciate you. Amen. Amen. God bless. God keep you. Uh, as I said to you earlier, this is just a great day of celebration, but in so many ways, this is a day of beginnings. This is not the day when we finish anything. Salem is 188, and we just thank God for the next. Look at that right there. That's where we're on our way to. That's where we're on our way to. And I'll tell you something about vision. It has nothing to do with how long you're going to live. Amen. I remember years ago when I was telling and we were talking about what God was about to do. I had a lot of people who came to me, a lot of the older members, and they, they were just as sincere as they could be. They said, you know what? We'll never live to see it. Most of them did. <laughs> Most of them lived to see with their own eyes what, what, what's going on. What God is doing has nothing to do with how long we're going to live. What God has to do with him using us right now to lay the foundation for those children who just came in here, those children who just came in. We are working to lay the foundations so that they will be able 188 years from now to continue 
praising God and tell others like we tell them about those who came on before us. We thank God. Y'all just keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. It ain't going to be long. We're going to launch right into our next project. I already talked to our men's ministry. Amen. Uh, Brother, Brother Phil Holland, they already got it running with it. Uh, we're going to come together as a church, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to share the vision, and we're going to, we're ready to move right now. And the beauty of it is we're going to do it, and we ain't got to go to the bank. We're going to do it. We're going to do these things, and God is going to bless us. He's going to bless us to work with what we have and make what we have work for us. God bless you. God keep you is our prayer. God be with you till we meet again. several ways to submit your tithe and offering. Online at www.thechurchwithzeal.org slash give. On Cash App at dollar sign the church with zeal. Via the Givelify app. By mail to Salem Missionary Baptist Church, P.O. Box 817, Lilburn, Georgia 30048 or in person at the church office on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's not necessary to wait until Sunday to give. Online, Givelify, Cash App, or mail-in contributions may be submitted on any day of the week. Thank you for your continued support of the ministry at Salem Missionary Baptist Church.